Hello, and welcome to Breakfast for Dinner with Sarah the Human. I'm Sarah the Human, and this is the YouTube-ish episode. In this episode, I speak with one of my best friends, Mikkel Jancy. Mikkel and I met, gosh, I guess about three or four years ago now. Mikkel is probably the most disciplined, hardworking person I've ever met. The way she's able to crank out long-form videos, her YouTube videos are like 20 minutes, I think. That's basically making multiple short films every week, and she makes it look so easy. As Mikkel puts it, her life last year exploded. Not only did she move from LA to Austin, she got a divorce, and it was pretty unexpected. She talks about navigating grief from that divorce and how she's moving forward and how already she has found so much freedom and found herself in the divorce aftermath. What I love about my friendship with Mikkel and this conversation is that we're able to be really light and fun and goofy and also connect on real difficult life stuff. I am so excited for Mikkel's future and where she's headed. Please enjoy Mikkel Jancy. Hey, Mikkel. How's it going? Hey, Sarah. So good. I've missed you. and I'm so honored and excited to be here. I know. I love that, you know, we haven't caught up in a minute. So this is a fun excuse to catch up. Honestly, I know. Just hanging with a friend. For real. Thank you so much for being one of my first ever guests on Breakfast for Dinner. I am so excited to have you. Oh, I'm so proud of you. And I am genuinely so honored. So thank you for asking me. Of course. I figured you would be a, an amazing guest because you're very used to talking to, I was going to say a camera. I guess it's a microphone, but still you are an influencer, YouTuber, TikToker. Would you describe yourself as that now? Oh, newly, begrudgingly. Okay, <laughs> so you're not really into TikTok? No, I hate really. TikTok. Oh no. It's, gr- it's growing on me. It's growing on me. I, I see the allure, but it, it's taken me two years. Two yeah. years? You've been on it well, for two years already? I like downloaded it two years ago and it's taken me two years to be like, okay, fine, I'll post, you know? Right. Yeah. So how long have you been posting and consistently on TikTok. Weeks. Not very long at all. Okay. (laughs) I feel like for us millennials, I guess, felt more of a resistance to it. I mean, personally, I have the app and I like to look at videos, but I am very scared of ever posting a video. It looks so difficult. I think I'm just like fearful for my career and like don't want people to get so used to short form that long form is just gone forever. And that's That's, my hesitancy. That's a good point because how long are your YouTube videos usually on average? My YouTube videos are like 25 minutes, pretty average, 22 to 28 in that range. And you know, TikTok is like sometimes 15 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, I guess our attention span might be dwindling, but same with like Mm -hmm. movies. I feel like we're kind of moving towards TV, but hopefully not. Hopefully we can, you know, appreciate a long form creativity too. Um, I hope so. So I am just so impressed with how when you started your YouTube channel, I mean, you were getting minimal views and (laughs) your (laughs) method has just been total consistency and personal perseverance. And now you have just completely built this name for yourself. Can you tell me about that whole process? Thank you. Yeah, uh, I lucked into YouTube. The reason I started it actually wasn't for YouTube. It was because I wanted to be 
working for this network called Tastemade, which is like a food network for more Gen Z than millennials. But I basically started posting videos on that just as a means to harass them, to give me an audition, to give me a show. And thankfully, after, you know, harassing them for long enough, that ended up working. And it was their studio that said, we want to try to build content in the home space. And we think that you'd be better suited in that area because you're not actually a chef or anything. <laughs> so can you start posting lifestyle type content? And I was like, yeah, awesome. We'll do. If that means another show with you guys, we'll absolutely do that. So I started doing that and they ended up cutting all of the shows in pre-production for no. their taste made home at the time. I know. And so I was super bummed, but at that point I became monetized on YouTube. And I was like, wait a minute. You can make money doing this. Like I don't have to have permission from a studio to be greenlit for a show. I can just kind of like do my own thing and maybe pay rent off of it. Okay. I'm going to see if this is possible if I stick with it. And that was probably five or six years ago. And I noticed I posted one video a week and it, you know, started growing a little bit. I was like, okay, I'm going to try posting two videos a week. I started growing a little bit more and I just, Increased my consistency for a while. I was doing four videos a week. Do not recommend that. That was wow. chaotic. Yeah. Now I'm back down to three. Uh, but after a few years of doing that, I was able to quit my like side hustle jobs, my serving job, nanny job, ended up stepping away from acting also. And you know, all the, all the LA things that we do to try to survive out there, let them go one by one, social media management, all the things until it was like the last remaining thing. That is so impressive. So how many people are watching your first videos and then how many people watch on average now your newest videos? Oh goodness, first videos, like a dozen. Okay. I, would, I would have the occasional food video pop off and I did not understand why. I think that honestly people just thought it was funny because it was really cringy, so poorly made. <laughs> I was filming on like a, uh, like a photography camera that you couldn't flip a screen around. And so I would just like adjust the lens to hopefully be in focus and try to stand in the same spot the whole time. Like really cringy, really, really bad. So I had a few of those videos pop off and I think everyone was just mocking me. I don't think anybody was actually like, watching oh, it for <laughs> because they enjoyed it. So it was, it was honestly a couple of years of that, like, you know, 50 views, a hundred views, whatever. Um, and nowadays it, I mean, it blows my mind. I feel like the average view count is like 45,000 per vlog lately, oh, which is, my gosh. I, I don't, I genuinely cannot understand why people would want to like watch me clean my apartment. But then again, <laughs> that's what I do for fun is watch my favorite YouTubers clean their apartment. So I'm like, okay, I guess I can't. I guess I do this too, but it seems really weird when I take a step back and look at like my content. <laughs> I was um, talking to someone, maybe another one of my influencer friends, and we were talking about the amount of followers you have filling up a stadium. So I'm just thinking of 45,000 people watch your videos three times a week. So if you had some sort of event, you could fill up a stadium of 45,000 people. Oh and gosh. that is so wild. That. It hurts my brain to think about and also like gives me like a little bit of stage fright. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you really just a dream come true. Like, did you ever think that this would be your job? Like if you had, if someone had asked you six years ago that you would be here, what would you have thought that? No, not at all. I, I really thought that I would have stuck it out with acting because that was the goal. And like, I did do that audition hustle grind for 13 years. 
And so I was like, okay, I've already like made it past the point that people quit. Like, this is for sure what I'm going to pursue my whole life. So I'm shocked that I ended up pivoting to this, but I still think I'm in kind of like, I don't want to say like a famine mindset, but I'm just, oh, I just, I don't fully believe that YouTube's going to be around for a super long time. So I, my mentality is like, I hope I can do this for a while, but I probably won't be able to because of circumstances out of my control. So no. Do you think that that is like the fear of YouTube going away or does it have a little bit of like imposter syndrome of, oh, how am I here right now? Or is it mainly just the world's trending away from YouTube? I think all of those things. I mean, nobody's done YouTube like as a full-time career for probably longer than 10 years. I, I don't think maybe, maybe 12, 13, but um, there's just not that, that track record to prove that is sustainable for a long time. And also I think that content just kind of like ebbs and flows over time. And I'm sure there's people that can keep up with it and be like, okay, YouTube is trending more. Like lately it's been more like low production value, genuine content. But a few years ago it was like, let's whip out the steady cam and like get the slow-mo shots. And so I don't know, I think some people can keep up with all that, but I'm maybe just not confident that I would be as apt to keep up with that, you know? It's so interesting, the trends, because yeah, I mean, it used to be, even on Instagram, it was super curated, a Mm -hmm. ton of filter photos. And then now it is like real authentic, genuine content. Like they want to see the pimples on our face. Like people want to see everything that's so raw and real. But that's so interesting too how any other career, there's a general age of, okay, that's the retirement age. But with influencers, it's so new that we don't really have enough data to know. Yeah. Yeah. Like what age do you phase out? Also, I think that this job, since it incorporates so much of your regular life, I don't think that we have data for at what point people get just kind of like burned out or sold out, honestly, with like kind of trying to package themselves up and put it out for people's consumption. Like we don't know how that affects people's confidence or mental health or relationships or marriages or like once you have kids, like what does that look like? I don't know. I really don't. How would you say it affects you on a day to day, you know, with your, with mental health and and all those things? Yeah, it used to really weighs so heavy. Like I, and I feel like we've talked about this like in our own conversations, but like just the concept of people pleasing has been such a recurring theme in my life. And I very much want people to like me, which sounds so stupid to say out loud, but um, that is like very much how I've felt. And so putting yourself out there and having people potentially not like you is uh, very draining. But I think lately I've been able to, just with all the life changes I've gone through, which who knows, we might get into that. I've been able to kind of let go a little bit. And actually five minutes before we sat down and started recording this podcast, I got a kind of sassy comment. I posted on my close friends list on Instagram. And I was like, this is my kind of sassy response to them. But they said something along the lines of that my vlogs are, it was, it was a travel vlog, that I should be more curious and creative because they're getting uninteresting. It's a new place, but the same old thing. Like I needed to read like book basically. (laughs) And I responded back. I said, I'm traveling the way I want to doing the things that bring me the most joy and bringing along the camera for what I want. This is me exiting my people pleasing era. And if you prefer to travel differently, you don't have to watch. I won't be offended. I promise. Hell yeah, that, Abigail. <laughs> Thank That's you. awesome. You're going at your pace. And yeah. instead of allowing your viewers to influence the content that you create, you're creating 
the content that you would like to create. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, some people will like it, some people won't like it, but I think nice type of people will be like uh, drawn to that authenticity and you sticking to your trueness. Thank you. And I think people really can tell when your main focus is worrying if people like you, because that was very much me the last year. And like things started dropping off and I started getting more comments being like, Hey, what's up? And of course there was a lot going on in my personal life, but I was just like really just trying to put out what people wanted to see, you know, yes. and like multiple different levels, whether that's like emotionally, like what, like people wanted to see me happy. So I was like, I will just pretend to be happy all the time. Or people wanted to see subscription boxes. So I would crank those out and feel kind of icky about it. And so I'm like, I'm done with all that. You know, I'm done with doing things that I think people will want to see. Cause they actually don't want to see me not wanting to do things. You know, mm, so exhausting to just live for other what other people want from us because other people want conflicting things all the time. You know, that one girl is messaging you saying, We want more creativity, it's the same old shit. And then another girl's mm-hmm. messaging saying, Hey, you're getting too outside the box. Like, can you just stick back to your old ways? <laughs> exactly. The only real way to win is to like do the things that bring you joy. So true. And the majority of people prefer that, even if they don't realize it ahead of time. Yes, for sure. So, Mikkel, you have had quite the year. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Why don't you tell us a little bit? You just moved from LA to Mm -hmm. Austin, Texas, which Mm -hmm. I'm very sad about, but I'm equally just so thrilled for you because I know that you're doing so well there and thriving and loving it. But share a little bit about how that move came about and what the past year has been like for you. Well, uh, my life exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Just let's start casually there. <laughs> ex- exploded. Yep. <laughs> In so many different ways. Yeah. Sarah got to see me through all phases of that. Uh, this last year, yeah, I was really tested. in in a lot of different ways. My health really declined. I did have some work struggles. And the biggest thing was I was married and my marriage was not good. And I did not admit that to myself for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting a divorce. (laughs) And um, it, it felt kind of out of nowhere for me. So I'm sure for everybody around me, it felt out of nowhere also simultaneously a long time coming and just like out of left field at the the same time. Um, So that was kind of finalized in October. And I was in Texas for a while while like all of those conversations and decisions were um, being had. And then I was like, okay, I guess if I am moving out of this house, I will probably go back to Texas because like that's where my family is. And so I snuck back up to California and packed up my whole house in like five days, but also had contracts I had to get done for work. So films like batch films, like five videos while packing up my house Um, (laughs) and uh, packed up my car, figured out movers, signed a lease in Austin and made that drive back uh, to Texas and called you and Root saying, hey, so sorry that I'm telling you this as I'm literally driving away from California, but it's been chaos and um, I'm moving to Texas and I'm getting a divorce surprise. I don't know how I got here. Yeah, I will never forget that phone call. From my perspective, I had hung out with you and your now ex-husband. Is it official? Yeah. 
Yes, it's official. It's official as of like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's now, what are we in? We're in May. So in September of 2021, we were hanging out with you and your ex-husband. And then in October, I was in Mexico City. And yes, you were calling me saying, not only am I moving, I'm getting a divorce. It was devastating just hearing how hurt you were and dive in a little bit on the why and everything. I was watching a lot of your identity as a wife fall apart, like just so much loss and grief of you're losing your best friend, the person you love. So how has it been dealing with the grief from that and healing from that since you called me that day? Yeah, well, honestly, that day, that conversation with you sticks out on my mind so vividly because you were the first person I called on that drive and I had not processed anything at all. I have realized that in like emotional moments, I will, I'm like, I really thrive not letting myself get choked up, not like, I'm like, okay, this is what needs to happen. I will get this done. And it really wasn't until I called you. That was the first time I kind of said it out loud to anybody. And that's like, it hit me very much in that conversation. I was like, oh my God, like I am actually driving away from California right now. Like this is not, like this is real, you know? So that will forever be ingrained in my mind. I think, I think I tried to say that loud and just started crying. (laughs) So sorry for that. As you should have. I mean, gotta let it all out. Yeah. And it's been honestly interesting to watch myself navigate grief because I would have defined myself as like toxic positivity prior, Hmm. like very much, no, everything's great all the time. I'm happy. Life's good. Like let's focus on the good. Um, and my life was honestly very great. Like I lived a very privileged upbringing. Like I still have all of my family members alive. I just never had known myself in grief and in hardship. And so watching myself navigate something hard for the first time actually gave me a lot of confidence. And like, I'm like, I'm proud of myself to know I am capable of, of navigating something hard and still maintaining a healthy level of positivity and also allowing myself to explore the hard emotions and like feel comfortable crying in front of people for the first freaking time of my life and letting people know that I'm not okay for the first time in my life was I think very healing for me as a person. And I explained this in a vlog that hasn't come out yet, but I was talking, I do this thing called car chats where I basically have like half-baked thoughts that are all just very introspective and I just kind of word vomit for five minutes. I was like, I feel like the last eight months of my life like we're renovating a house and this house is me. And we just did so much demo. We tore down so many walls. We found like the foundation, maybe not the best, maybe some cracks. Like we added concrete, whatever. And we finally have finished all that demo drywalls up. And like, now I feel like I'm at the time where I'm picking out the wall colors and like the appliances. And like, I'm finally making it, I'm adding back in the things that um, make me happy and make this feel like home. And it's been cool to, renovate a house for the first time in my life even if it's a metaphorical house you know what I mean (laughs) yes you're getting to know yourself I think growing up we were kind of taught who we should be and conditioned Mm -hmm. just by society or by the town we grew up in but now in adulthood a lot of times it takes something tragic and really big to shake us up and just reevaluate okay hang on who are we what are we doing with our life what do we want 
want in our life, not just what are we supposed to want. And that happened for you. So as you're rebuilding yourself, what are some things that have surprised you about yourself? Ooh, I like that question. Um, I think that I have really been proud of how um, self-sufficient I am in terms of providing for myself, like in a job and in terms of plopping myself into a new city, which I mean, granted, my family's not that far and I have some existing friends here, but something I was really aware of and wanted to be mindful of is all of my pre-existing friends are married. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to be single, I need to make single friends. Like that's probably healthy to have friends in the same life phase. So I was proud of myself for um, being intentional about putting myself out there and making new friends. And I think watching myself say I want something and then actually like following through and doing it has been really cool. Um, Because I would make excuses a lot in the past. And usually my excuse would be like, no, I'm too busy. I have too much work to do. And I have loved the fact that work has not been my identity anymore. And that's just been like something fun on my plate, something that I need to kind of stay on top of to not be irresponsible. But otherwise, I've been prioritizing people and myself and experiences. And I've liked that. And I've liked the way that that feels so much more. Like life feels fuller. That's so good to hear. I'm so excited for you. So throughout this divorce and just in general, how do you decide what I'm going to share, what I'm not going to share publicly? Because Mm -hmm. as an influencer, you do share a lot publicly, but then I know this was something completely huge and also involves somebody else. So it could be tricky maybe to navigate. What do I proclaim to everybody? What do I want to keep in? So how do you set a boundary there? That's been the hardest part, honestly. And I get very in my head about that because I'm like, what is my story to share? versus what is not my story to share. And something that I am hyper aware of is I don't want to share hearsay. I don't want to share things that haven't been proven as fact. And something that you know about the story, and I've been more and more very slowly opening up about this over time online. And so people have the gist of it now. And I am planning on eventually doing a full video, basically being like, this is what happened and this is what I did wrong. But all that to say is, the initial reason for the divorce was not the real reason for the divorce. Like what I was told and what I believed was the reason I had gut instincts that there was more to the story. And Mm. very slowly over time, more and more of that came out and came up. And so that was the thing of like, I don't want to share what's going on because I don't even really know what's going on. Like I have guesses as to what's going on. And like now that has been proven. And so I feel much more confident about sharing fact than sharing, you know, what, what people think is happening. So that's been something difficult to navigate. Also just like healing and going through something yourself. You want to process it with the people around you first, because they know you, they know your spouse, they know they can speak more truth into the situation. So I wanted to be mindful of like only having very truthful conversations with people that I know have my best interest in mind before having conversations with the world where some people have my best interest in mind and some people don't. And that could get just very like clouded and muddled and unhealthy. Um, And lastly, feeling like I wouldn't be hurting the other person by sharing. And I did not get that clarity and that clarification until literally two weeks ago where I had like a closure conversation with my ex and told him that uh, it's very much on my heart to use my experiences to hopefully help other girls. And I want to be so mindful and cautious of how I do that. But I do think that like it 
would be a disservice to not eventually share more of like what I went through and he was understanding. And so it wasn't until I got that, that I'm like, okay, now I really actually feel comfortable and confident, like opening up. And I haven't filmed that yet, but do plan to do that. And um, so that's like multiple big, I guess, pillars of things I had to get through before I felt comfortable. But it is hard because you can't just like not work until then you're vlogging your life and you're sharing your life and you're trying to be honest about like, I'm really hurt, but I don't want to exactly tell you why I'm hurt because I don't want you to like go after the other person. You know, it's not going to help any situation ever. And I don't want to feel icky and bad about doing that to someone else, you know, basically it's been a mess. It's been a learning curve (laughs) and a long, slow process to trial and error, (laughs) trial and error and being overly cautious. Yes. I really like what you said about letting it get flushed out a little bit, kind of letting it pass, letting it fizzle out almost, and then coming to the table and sharing when you feel ready and it's not so fresh, so raw, so fresh. Your life also involves other people. So that is a tricky line to walk because if someone hurts you, then you might want to share it, but then it throws them under the bus. Yeah. And it's not like a a story where you're like, yeah, I had a friend that did this once, so I'm going to change their name. It's like, well, I've only been married to one person. So you (laughs) guys are going to be able to figure out who I'm talking about. We know who it is. (laughs) Exactly. ex-husband like his name is Voldemort or something I'm like Brooke I I can say his name Brooke it's Brooke yeah (laughs) you're just as close as friends with him yeah I know you shall not be named no it's so true well I do that too and I'm like and someone asked me why I do that on a in a video and I was like I think it's a way of like just being extra cautious that you guys know that I'm not trying to talk about him I'm trying to like talk about me but he needs to be referenced occasionally. So this is like the most non-personal way I can reference him. Yes. But it's hard. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort. LOL. I heard via Instagram you have something exciting happening in your life. Potentially <laughs> dating <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's see. I, um, that was another thing that I was like, I don't know how to share this. Cause at the time of recording this podcast, there's still, I mean, it's still casual. There's not a title on anything. Um, but I, I am going to be honest, I have a big old crush and like, I don't know exactly how I got here, but, um, I did not want to date probably for like a year. Like I just thought I want to be, I want to be single and it just doesn't look good, frankly, to date so soon after a divorce. But I organically met someone very kind and kind of reframed dating as like, oh, whoa, there's actually so much I could learn here that still applies towards my growth and my healing of like one thing I really struggled with after the divorce was the mindset of loyalty. Because, you know, when you get married to someone, your mindset is like, this is my person forever. Mm, And mm -hmm. you, you implement habits in your life to not have mixed signals be sent to other men and to like make this one man your your everything and breaking those habits and those patterns was hard for me and so I think that I was like okay dating is actually maybe healthy for me in some ways to where I can break any remaining loyalty that I have in my mind towards this person that I should no longer be loyal to to because they were no longer loyal to me and we that chapter has closed and also has been super clarifying is this word I want to use it has 
opened my eyes so much to the way that I could be treated in the way that mm. I was treated. Because if you only know one thing, this has been interesting. I've gotten a lot of comments of people saying like, but like, look at your dad. He's a great guy. Didn't you know men could be like that? And it's very odd because yes, I knew men you could be like that, but dad. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't date my dad. Yeah. I didn't know that like men could be like that to me, like in a romantic way. You know what I mean? Like, right. like no, that's just like, dads are like that, you know, but 20, 20s men aren't like that, you know, but it's been cool and healing for me to see. I, I don't know. It'd be like wearing cheap, flip-flops your whole life and you're like, ah, oh, no, these are what shoes are. And then being gifted like running shoes. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is so comfortable. My toes are protected. These exist. And I've been walking around in flip-flops for the last 10 years. So that's been, that's opened my eyes a lot to kind of like how, I mean, this sounds really mean. I'm so sorry for saying this, but how much I settled with mm-hmm. how I was being treated. Mm-hmm. And I'm really thankful to now just have experiences in my back pocket of someone advocating for me within a relationship like that has never happened and that is really cool and I'm hopeful that it goes somewhere I am so happy for you it is so exciting so when you met this person were you like hey just got a divorce you know how did you approach that topic because I would feel like the last thing they would assume about you is that you'd been married for two years So this is actually a really funny part of the story. Breaking here on your podcast. Nobody knows this publicly yet. I know. The reason that we connected is because I was kind of aware of him from afar. Saw him at an event and followed him online. And he was aware of me because of my channel. And so already knew my videos and already knew my story before I even followed him. No way. Yeah. So that was great because we didn't have to have any of the conversations of like, by the way, I am legally kind of still married because there's like a few weeks left of my divorce process because that takes eight months and like that whole thing. It's like, he he knew which was I guess one benefit to oversharing your life on the internet is that's true (laughs) yeah you might find a lover who already knows (laughs) yes exactly you don't have to have those face-to-face conversations it's like a ah I just had said that to a camera once and now you know abracadabra (laughs) next time I want to tell Bo something I'll just record a bunch of videos of myself and just say (laughs) watch these when you get a moment like and subscribe (laughs) yeah (laughs) I kind of love that about you. Like you have this whole mysterious past. It's like, hey, you would have never guessed. I've been married and divorced already at, how old are you? 26? 25 now. 25? Oh my god. I started at 24. It gives you some some edge, you know? (laughs) It really does. And that's one thing that this guy has said is he's like, I think that if I had met like the Mikkel that was never married versus you, I would just be so much more attracted to who you are now as a person because you carry this wisdom and this life experience and like I know that you've walked through marriage and know what that looks like and so I almost trust you to like help navigate us if we ever get there one day um and so I was like wow I never thought someone would look at this and see it as something beautiful Mm -hmm. I thought it's like a mark on my my report card that like I was purchased and damaged the box was dented so I was sent back to the store and put back on the shelf and like now someone could buy me for 20% off you know is like initially how I felt so to hear someone say like no this actually brings value in my eyes has been really healing to hear do you feel like 
you are in a way glad it happened? Honestly, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but I like myself so much better now and I have been able to connect with so many girls and it's opened my eyes almost to like a ministry that I did not know is so needed of young divorce, divorce within the church and especially young divorce within the church. <laughs> you wow. know, those three things I at this point have had goodness. And I feel so bad that I, I probably miss some, but probably over a thousand girls at this point, like send me their full stories of also being mm. in their twenties in the church, being like going through a divorce and feeling so isolated and so dirty and so bad and so shamed, mm. even if it wasn't their fault, you know, and it, even if it was their decision, it, it's still, they shouldn't feel that way. They shouldn't feel so isolated and unloved and unworthy. So I think that just opening my eyes to that has been so worth it. And I would do it all over again, just to know that this is an area that we suck at as Christians, like as a church and like as humans, honestly, too, is just like showing compassion to people going through those, those situations. And if I can go through it and just share the ways in which it's hard and the ways in which good things can come from it to make someone else, even just one other person feel less alone, then it, it's worth it to me. I just love how the universe is designed because usually someone's biggest pain that they've ever experienced in their whole life is yeah. what they look back and say, I've grown so much from it. I can use it as a launching point to help others and to show them love and share my experience. And it's super sad to hear a lot of people have come forward sharing their stories of being divorced young and not being accepted by the church. Can't say it's surprising, you know, I know. can't say it's surprising, but I'm so glad that people have you to come out and say like, Hey, this is so okay. Like there is a ton of people who have found such freedom after they got a divorce for whatever reason they needed to. And they went from being in a marriage situation that they were completely not happy in at all, just miserable with their lives to mm -hmm. totally thriving, you know, living their best life. And the longevity of a marriage doesn't mean anything. Like we don't have to look at it so black and white of this is a success. This is a failure because obviously there were so many good moments that you and Brooke had. I want to just encourage people to not feel shame at all if they went through a divorce. That's beautiful and so well said. You are quite eloquent. And I think that that is a message that is going to touch a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I have loved watching you grow through this and change and figure out, like you said, with the house uh, renovation analogy, you've been killing it with analogy. You had the flip flops, the house. <laughs> like I told Brooke thing. I called him a cheap flip flop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just wasn't the Oops. shoe for you. We'll say that. No. Some people love flip flops. So, so true. That's so true. Go yeah. to Florida, you'll find people yes. with <laughs> loving the flip flops. They Wear nothing else. Where do you see yourself in the next few months? Like what's coming up for you with your career, um, with your yeah. life? Do you have some fun things going on? So a big, a big goal of mine is to, in post COVID, I feel like this is a lot of people's goals, but like finally get out and see things. And, um, I took my first couple solo trips where it were a lot of fun. And so just incorporating more travel, 
going to Greece with the family. No way. Um, I know it's going to be fun. And the um, person that I am dating doesn't live here and is in fact on the road constantly. So that also is conducive to travel. So I see a lot of travel in my future for the next year or so, learning how to balance um, working on the road and like figuring out how to, um, I guess, kind of like shift my content into still being me and being able to have those experiences is going to be an interesting logistical challenge, but I'm here for it. I'm looking forward to it. And beyond that, like I am so holding life with a open palm right now. I used to have one year goals and five year goals and 10 year goals and like numbers and all these things I wanted to hit. And I've realized that it's just so much more fulfilling to kind of be like, check in. Do I feel like things are going well? If not, let's reassess. But otherwise let's just keep kind of like riding this wave and seeing where it takes us. And that's what, that's what I'm doing right now. I, I think I'll be in Austin for quite a bit, but it, I don't know. I don't even know that for sure. That's such a good way to look at it. I think we all know with the pandemic, we definitely had our lives reorganized and we were reminded that we don't know what's yeah. going to happen tomorrow. Who yeah. the heck knows? Well, I'm glad that you can do your job from the road. Me too. That's like, honestly, probably the biggest perk of the job. And I haven't really utilized that or like taken advantage of that yet. So I'm like, okay, Now's the time. Year six of doing this. I'm going to learn how to like actually use that to my advantage and not be in my same little apartment all the time. <laughs> it's good motivation. Yes, it is. It is good motivation. If people want yeah. to follow your YouTube, Insta, where can they find you? Yeah. So my name is hard to spell, but it's all Mikel Dancy which is M-I-C-H-E-L-J-A-N-S-E. But my Instagram and my TikTok are Mikel.C.Jancy because someone took Mikel Jancy when I went to Smith and then I came back and it was gone. No, so, that's a word. C is not even my middle name. It's my first name, but it's fine. I know. That's a little oh, secret. No, Everyone that's... thinks C is my middle name now. <laughs> and what is your first name? I know it, but just for Christian <laughs> Mikel Jancy. But I'm very glad my parents chose for me to go by Mikkel. <laughs> yes, Mikkel suits you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Christian does not. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. It does not. <laughs> thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. It was so great to talk to you. Thanks for just being super transparent and fun to talk to. So I love you so much. I love you. Thank you for having me.